And we are back. We are back. All right. Can you hear me okay? I'm uh, I'm on my laptop now. Yeah, except I I can hear myself. Well, that's that's no good. Who wants to who wants to hear what you're saying, right? Right. All right. You let me know when you're ready to go. I'm ready to go, but I can hear myself in my recording with you. Oh, there oh, so you go. It's gone now. I don't know if you lowered something. Sorry. No, so, all right, all right. Sorry to everyone for the technical difficulties. Let's just pick up with the the Blazers. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? No, I think that you know Caldwell for them is is a nice, obviously nice piece. I think that his ceiling is divine esque. Um, what he decides to do moving forward will be interesting. You know, I think that his team is set up nicely. He's got a, a lot of like really good pieces he can't find a spot for Bapple like we've talked about so I, I'm curious to see what he does with the, the roster we know he's not done wheeling and dealing I'm sure he'll trade somebody for a pick so he has ammo moving forward but that's the thing like he traded all of his picks and like everyone you know he he had said to me he's like I had to figure out my last move with pick and I'm like but you added so many guys that like you can trade one for a first and you'll have more ammo moving forward like in reality first have more value than players nowadays because nobody rebuilding really wants a contract anymore. I'd rather to go win a free agent. Especially you know, it's funny. I was I was looking at stuff. It's funny you say that. You know, you you said players have more value than value than picks, right? No, I said it the other way. Oh, you said the other way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, I think it. I think yes and no. Actually, you know, I think that it can be right in both situations. I've I've seen it. I, Actually, you know what? Scratch that. You're right. I'm confusing myself. Sorry, it's getting late. But what I, I've seen it where, for example, after I drafted Bird and Diamond, right? Even two guys who were like drafted one, two. When I was offering the, the first and second picks, I was in talks for guys like Corbin. You know, ultimately that didn't happen and stuff like that. But then as soon as I drafted the players, even though they looked awesome and they were as soon as they were picked, I, I was actually trying to look this up because I don't want to put something out there that's not true. But I think I made some ridiculous offers. Like I had discussed either Bird and Diamond or the picks that became them for like Strawn or some something like that, man. Like I, I was off making some stupid offers because I was just trying to get one like amazing guy and I wasn't sold on Bird. And as soon as they were drafted, it's like their value was just so much lower than what the picks were, even though it was the same guys. Because it's that unknown. Yeah, it, it, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic. Like I think that until, like, if you're competing and you want to compete next year, you're better off trading your lotto pick before you actually draft a player in it. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's totally the way it's been in my experience too. Um, I don't know why, but uh, yeah, it's the unknown. I guess, I guess it's just that, you know, like on paper, if you look at that trade. A trade like that i mean it makes sense to do it on paper you look at like for example we talked about the brown trade right let's talk about if you were rebuilding with brown you know the offer from the heat is like super enticing but then if you're offered the first and second picks in a draft instead of that there are people who would choose that instead of the the proven commodities that you already know what they are just yeah, because also, the mystery box thing right I, well i also think it depends on where you're at that gives yeah. you such a long window compared to Dwarsic and Colbert, who have a five-year window. And on top of it, you might get a better player. 
Yeah. Like, Diamond's a better player than Colbert, or at least it's comparable. Yeah, it's always, uh, you know, I think, I think, and Smith, Smith um, has acknowledged that. I, I think this was stupid on my part again. I was throwing out feelers. I'm pretty sure I threw the idea of a, a one and one and or two. Maybe it was Boatman. I don't know what I was doing, but I wasn't trying to get Colbert because I really liked him at 18, and you know it didn't make sense for Smith at the time. And like, I mean, yeah, somehow somehow I hung on to those picks. So I definitely deserve like no credit for hanging on for, to one and two because I definitely tried to move them. But anyways, um, I think the Blazers look good. I really like what Ricky's building. I think. Like I said before, we got cut off, um, and I was talking to myself. I think that he's a guy where I wouldn't be shocked if he does this his thing with Caldwell for a few years. And if it makes sense for him, if he gets a Godfather offer, he's one of the few guys who has the courage to trade Caldwell. If it makes sense for his team, like he's not a guy who is locked into keeping Caldwell for nine, ten years if it's not right. working out. Right. Exactly. All right. Let's right. go on to the Hawks, huh? Yeah. All right. So the question for the Hawks is the, the one thing, you know, everybody's wondering is, is Brown taking flight? You know, is Andre Brown sticking around? Is he leaving? And this whole debate of when you have the best player in the league, you know, we know that BJ is not going to trade him regardless of whether he signs or not. Um, but then it, it raises this interesting question. You know, the offer from the Heat for Andre Brown, we've kind of touched on. I, I don't know if it got recorded or not because we've been cut up a few times, but we both said we sort of would have taken that offer. Um, but now that you're in this situation, if Brown doesn't resign, are you going to ride the course with him? Would you hold out to sign him to that six-year deal and then try to flip him in a year or two? Or would you just try to get what you could now? I guess it depends on the offers, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the question. One, who's offering what? And, like, two, so, two, what is, like, what is the end goal? Like, say the Kings really just wanted to go all in, right? Like, if they come knocking with waters, like, I think you have to listen, right? If if they come knocking with one of their main pieces, I mean, probably not Washington because he's older, but... If the Kings come knocking with waters, I'm making that trade yesterday. Right. I just don't know that BJ is because I think that it, waters is definitely a step down this season to what Brown is. Right. Right. I mean, especially because the whole team's built around Brown too. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't love what's on his team. I've said this on multiple pods. I actually really don't hate Blazer the person. I hate Blazer <laughs> as being like any sort of a a piece that like you're counting on. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but like, I think he's a great complimentary guy, but like, I'm not ever giving up two firsts for a guy like that. Like he's never going to be your one, two or three. Yeah. And it's not, it's not that the firsts have so much value necessarily. It's more the fact that, especially in this new version where you're limited in the number of picks you can trade. Sometimes you want to get a guy who, is serviceable like a nice ancillary piece like i don't know exactly what the raptors gave up for minor off the top of my head but something like that like you're trying to add that piece to your rotation and the guy's not expensive but at the same time he's not free your first rounder is usually an easy thing even if it's going to be a mid to late first that guys will trade you useful pieces and when you give up two for one guy 
it has to be a really valuable piece. It has to has to solve your biggest problem because that's two trade chips where you could have been getting another player with that second pick, but now you can't. Yeah, and you know he's kind of. I, I was saying this. I think I got cut off. Is he kind of doubled down on all this this rebounding, right? Like, great new Razzle rebounds for a shooting guard, but he already has rebounding from Brown and Douglas and Blazer. And it's like, oh, great. Blazer has this ridiculous rebounding. It's like, you already had rebounding. Like you needed a, a score. Now look, he made Jacob Evans work, but I think that was more a product of Jericho than it was of Jacob Evans. Right? Like I, I yeah. was not a fan of Jacob Evans and I was very clear and he won a title and he won back to back. But like the thing I've said on multiple pods you going to work, Disney? Is that, is that we got the we got the cops coming after me apparently. Um, the thing that I, I guess what what bothers me about it is they Jericho was out sixty something games, and everyone knew that they were still the favorite, even though they were like the seventh seed, all because of Jericho. Like I don't think that team was not a playoff team without him, so it, it just. I think that that gave him not false sense because like clearly he's a good GM. Like I've said, I would have him in the top 10. Like, I think he's very good, but like, yes, blazer fits his, his spreadsheet. Right. But you yeah. already had guys like that. And I think that's why I liked what bubbles did this year is he stepped out of his comfort zone and went and added scores that like might not do everything else on his checklist. And that, that's the thing for me is that I think that, Obviously, it's in the chat and people are shooting the shit and, you know, you mix it up and stuff. But I think that people often feel like when you're attacking their team, you're attacking the GM. I'm not – I don't think either of us think that BJ can't build a good roster or, you know, he's one with guys that I didn't think are winning players, like you were saying. And, like, I think he won with Jeremy Sachs, you were saying. Yeah, um, God. So he's, he's – no, there's no doubt he knows what he's doing as a GM. I just don't like this particular team. Uh, I don't care who is the GM of this team. I don't think that they have a road to the top. That, and, like, that's just me looking at the roster. Yeah, well, and I think that sometimes, like, you just keep gaining these assets, right? Like, these players, and they keep progressing. And you're like, all right, great. Well, Sertur is good because he can pass. And, like, maybe I can add a shooting point guard. But it's like, he, had, he has Brown. And, like, I just don't love the fit around Brown. Like, me personally, so I had Brown, right? But I, I had Julianas. So I made a conference finals with Brown. He has not. And I made it when I was young. Like, I had some garbage. Like, it was like Marco, Julianas, Brown, garbage, and then Monera as a rookie is what I went to the conference finals with. But my point was, like, I had a defensive power – like, I – I would rather have a shooting guard that can score efficiently and a defensive power forward, small forward that I can like move Brown around with and like kind of play the matchup game a little bit. Cause like his one through nines offensively aren't amazing to the point that like he's going to always win that matchup. I agree with you though, with the spreadsheet comment, I know we got to move on because we're trying to keep things going, but the, the Hawks have a lot of players, a, a couple players. I shouldn't say a lot. They have a, they have players on their roster that, I would look at it in a vacuum and be like, oh, that guy's intriguing. Like, obviously, I had Surter, and the, the big man passing is always, like, an intriguing thing for some people. And then Razzle, you know, he does some things that you could get value for him. 
Blazer rebounds out of position. So he has guys that do things where in a vacuum, I'm like, that's kind of a quirky player. Like I would add him. But when you have a guy like Andre Brown, like you said, I would just almost keep it more simple than that. It's like if Andre Brown has a bad game, who's carrying you offensively? Right now it's like Miranda, and that just spells disaster for me. Yeah, well, it's also Douglas, but like Douglas has, if I'm not mistaken, he has a foul problem. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Just, so like you can't even count on him being in the game. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's it, like – Again, I, I guess I guess I didn't comment on Doug. I didn't count Douglas because you know he's expiring. Are they going to pay him that much money again? Maybe uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think that he's going to try to pay both of them again and just keep rolling this team out because I, I think in his mind, well, eventually it's going to like mesh, or I can move Surtur for something different. Like not everyone values Surtur, so like half your half the league is not even a trade chip yeah. because they're either rebuilding and don't need him or. They don't like him. Yeah, so, you know, I know we have to move on, so we'll, we'll cut it off there. Yeah. I know B, BJ's going to be pissed, but you know what? Mm. We're just talking about the roster, so you yeah. know what, BJ? You got you to gotta just you gotta roll with it. Prove us wrong, man. Prove us wrong. Well, it's not that. I mean, he would say the same stuff about certain people's rosters if he was doing these. Like, yeah. I yeah. mean, just No, I'm just are, joking. I, yeah. I, I chat with BJ behind the scenes, and I'm just giving him a little shit. I think, well, uh, I think I've said good. that on multiple pods. I, I talked to him behind the scenes, and we're fine. In the chat, I would wring his neck, you know? Like, it is what it is. <laughs> All right, moving on. All right. We got, we got Omar and uh, the Supersonics. So, for the Sonics, the three-word game is Entresto or Entrest Go. And the the thing about the Sonics is they've kind of alluded to in chat. Omar's a guy who, you know, we already did the GM talk yesterday, and he's a guy who what he values is what he values. And – He's mentioned a few times in chat that, you know what, Entresto, he loves him. He doesn't really maybe fit the age group of what they're building. And, you know, that's I think that's the same reason why he's made Leventopoulos, uh, Leventopoulos I think, uh, available, yeah. is that, you know, he has these guys. He recognizes that his team's not upper echelon, but at the same time, he knows these guys have value. And so it's kind of that balance. You could say the same thing about myself and Ajovi, where, like, We've probably both had off. Obviously, Ajovi's not on the level of Entresto, but just to make a comparison, it's like you have these players where you value them maybe more than other people do, and it's like how long are you going to hold out? Um, and is that going to affect your plan, or are you just going to take the best value you can get? He strikes me as a guy who's going to hold out until he gets the right trade. Yeah, that's that's likely how it's going to play out. Um also, I don't think he's in any sort of rush. He's in a weird spot. Like, I haven't really gone through and done my, like, over-unders, like, where I would place wins, you know, comparatively to, to... – so, like, what I do is I look at rosters, and after I've looked at rosters, I have an idea of what I would put them at, and then I compare them to the conference. So, like, if they, they were in the Landros, they'd probably be close to, like, a 45 to 50 win team. Because I really like a lot of their pieces. But in Maynard, they're probably closer to like a 42-43 win team. Right. And I just think, you know, they're, they're young. They have Ballard and Dikarev, and they just drafted Days. Um, and Tresto's old at 26. Levinsky's 20. Like, he's got a young, young defensive core. And along those lines, if you look at this, I mean, the Warriors, I assume if they, you know, keep things going, maybe they can – 
I'm just looking at teams who had more wins than the Sonics last year. If you're trying to miss the playoffs, potentially, you've got the Heat, the Knicks, you've got the Hawks, you've got the Jazz, you've got the Thunder, you've got the Kings. That's what, six already? That's um, one. I think the Nets are better, too. Like yeah, you've got the Nets. You won as many games as the Suns. Now, the fact that you added uh, Leventopoulos maybe puts you ahead of them. But well, Demon Days, remember, he added the number three pick. Yeah, and Days, yeah. So, I mean, they're going to be fighting for 8-9, I think. Yeah, and I think he's okay either way. I think he'll see what happens and, you know, temp- maybe he'll, like, take a worse trade for Entresto just to make sure he misses the playoffs. I, I definitely don't think – again, we're doing we're doing storylines. I'm not saying he has to rush the trade Entresto. Like, 26 is in this, like – Pedo league that we have 26 is considered like on the older side, but I think the Sonics are in a good spot. He's got nice young talent, but not necessarily to the point that he's a solidified playoff team. So I think he's going to continue to hold out. And that's probably what I would do too. I wouldn't trade Entresto for less than I think he's worth. No, I'm not, and maybe less was probably the wrong way, but like I could see him like ramping up, like offering out trades. Like he's yeah. not he he's putting him on the block, but like I don't know if he's going out and like going team to team and being like, all right, what can I get from you? Okay, what can I get from you? I think he's just yeah. letting seeing what comes, and that's not nearly as necessary. Yeah, no, I, and I they you know they sold the guy in RFA, um, and Dikarev is a guy that I think people are down on because of where he was taken, but if he gets the right pops. Who knows? He could be useful too. I, I kind of like, I actually kind of like the roster um, moving right. forward. So, and they're young. So, yeah. Moving on, we got the Wolves. All right. So, the Wolves is for those of you who played this game as a kid, Marco Polo, it's Michael Polo. And the whole thing is like, <laughs> you know, the like Mike, we know he's in South Beach. We know he's in Vegas. We talked about how we can't really blame the guy for being MIA. Um, I don't know how much there is to talk about with this team, but you know they're they're obviously not trying to make the playoffs. What do you think about the Wolves moving forward? Yeah, I mean that that honestly, we could go as quick. As, so I, I have some inside information. I know that the Kings made a, a offer to him. Yeah, I don't know when, but I know that he has not responded, and the offer was. Two picks and expirings for Haynes and Lander. Oh man! And he just never responded. Oh, yeah. You, you know, like, what else are you signing those guys to that contract for? Like, we talked last year in the preseason pod about like I the two year deal was awful in my opinion. Either go three or go one, but two years, right. like, because in your mind you're going to want way more than it's worth. And if not, then it was just weird. Like, two years is just such a weird number. So, I mean, what else are you expecting? Even if they're two kings first, I'd rather that than them sit on my roster for the season. Yeah, I I totally agree. No one else is paying more. Like, who else is paying for expirings nowadays? Especially on top of it with the log jam that's at the top. Like you're not going to have a secondary team like the Thunder or the Bucks coming and paying for an expiring right now. You're just not. 
Yeah, and this is what we say about the Wolves is that, you know, for a guy who misses so much time and misses out on so many opportunities, it's, it is definitely interesting the amount of success they've had despite missing out on all these day-to-day things. Right, and it's it's frustrating, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much to talk about. He's not going to listen to this, so it's not yeah. something we have to spend time on. So yeah, it was a, it was a good it was a good pun, but um, I'm yeah. going to take credit. For that. I'm going to take credit for that one, and uh, but you know what? Uh, that's pretty much the extent of it. You can just probably say the pun and move on. Um, yeah. So let's just uh, move on to the Clippers. All right, Clippers and uh, X. Yeah, so the Clippers, the question is Fitz or Fizzle? So, you know, the, obviously the first thing everyone's going to talk about is Fitzgerald. Ricardo Fitzgerald, they chose him over Caldwell. I think that race is way too close to call right now. I don't think anyone's sure. People gave him a lot of shit for, I think it was the Damon Turner acquisition. He still got him. Or maybe it was Clyburn. I can't remember now, but he's got no, them both. It was the Turner one because he traded. He got he traded the first. Yeah, he got he traded a first that ended up actually really funny. If you, if you think about it, that first got traded in the deal with Antresto and Clyburn for Corbin Williams. And then Mike ended up flipping Clyburn and the pick. Who would he get? Oh, Clyburn and his pick for Jasper. So my so X ended up with Clyburn, even though the pick it was just a weird circle. Mike actually, the more I look at it, Mike really did a really good job building this. Yeah, he landed Waters, but he got Jasper for Clyburn and a pick, which he got for Corbin Williams, and then he got um, Washington for Entresto and the Clippers pick. Yeah, and yeah, that just you know, for someone that like I don't deem as active in Mike was pretty active yeah no i remember he was around a lot back then and you know you obviously there's you could say the same about my picks and stuff there's a luck component for sure you know um but you what Goulet said you do create your own luck sometimes and mike was around and he was trying to get i know for a fact he was trying to get multiple deals done and you know he even almost traded into the tr- into the lotto of the the draft that had Waters in Washington to snag another guy, like he was definitely. I think he was pretty close to getting it done too. So, you know, you you cast your your net so to speak, and you try to get multiple deals done, and then one of them hits, and um, he's done it. Yeah, I really like the direction they're heading. But you know, going to the Clippers, my boy X has had way too many bad things happen to him. So I'm going to try to keep it positive. I loved their draft, like Mellow Sharpie. Um, probably one of the biggest steals. What do you think about him? Yeah, I I like him. I you know he's here's the thing though. Like, and I'm not bashing on him because like getting him at 15 is a steal. But like, we see players like this all the time, and it all depends. Um, I I don't know if it was him that said something or if it was somebody else, but he kind of looks like a a Jodson. Like, oh, yeah. not not great rebounding, not amazing one through nines, but like. The volume is kind of there. And the the 2G percent. You know who else he reminds me of to an extent? is Sanders. Oh, that's actually a good one, yeah. It, Sanders had the power forward eligibility, but, like, just he has the base settings. And if he ever gets, like, the volume jump and if he shoots well enough paired with Fitzgerald, whew. And then who else did he draft? He drafted um, 
Oh, Bullock. He, like, kind of reached for him, but he's, like, a really fun player. Free throw, super high rebounding, great blocks, but, again, still kind of, like, meh defensively. So, he's young. I mean, Fitzgerald's 20, Bullock and Sharpie are 19. Clyburn and Damon Turner are only 22 and 23. You know, he has the vets that are, you know, taking up the entire fucking salary contract this year. Yeah. But, like, he's going to have cap room next year. He has no rush. He has his pick. He has the the heat pick. He has that Grizz pick next year. So, he has – so, he has all of his picks, plus he has the heat pick this year and the Grizz pick next year. So, like, we're sitting here talking, like, there's a real chance in, like, three or four years, like, we're talking about, like, a dynasty-type team if he can figure out a guard. Yeah, obviously, so many things have to go right to get in that position. But when you talk about a draft, like, I was thinking about this the other day, actually. When you're going through, let's say, a, you know, five-year build, it's so critical if you can obviously hit on your top picks, but also add... You know, you have an eight-man rotation, eight-nine-man rotation. So if you hit on two guys, like even if two guys that we're talking about here in a Bullock and Sharpie, even if one of them hits, like you've added now an extra piece than you would have otherwise, if that makes sense. Like if you can get a top guy plus get a guy at 13 that's useful. Well, yeah, you, Bullock, re- Bullock went rebuild, just Yeah, yeah. What I, what I mean is like when you when you draft a guy high, like your Fitzgeralds, those uh, are obvious. Yeah, yeah. Those guys have to hit. But when you can add guys late in the draft, mm-hmm. I think it just pushes your build faster so much. Um, I can't talk. Sorry. So much faster. And these guys are in a position now where if you add the Grizz pick to this, I agree with you. Like if these guys progress, this could actually be scary in a couple of years. So I'm thinking that he misses the playoffs this year and then he starts to trade his picks after this season. So he'll mm-hmm. end up in the lotto. Then he starts to trade his pick, knowing he's sitting on a likely lotto pick next year. Yeah. So he's still going to get two years in the lotto, but he's still going to get use of his pick, which is going to be really valuable. I'm just glad that Mazone and Seco's thing is coming off his page. Like that's been painful to look at. Well, you know what's funny is I think he signed at least Mazone to that fucking atrocious contract. So it's nice. Well, I think he, he, I think he did both. Didn't he? Didn't he do both when he? Had lost Hobbs uh, was that was that th- that time? Yeah, probably. And then he just fucking oh god. And both of them were off his roster, and he got them back, which is even funnier. Like I'm just glad like, those are getting off his page. Uh, I'm tired of looking at those. Uh, well, let let let's talk about this. Clip Clippers, Celtics, Celtics, Clippers. And now the Clippers again. Like, could you have? Of course, he picked on fucking LGC to give him for two years. Oh. oh man alright so yeah we like X's team but I don't think he makes a lot of noise this year I think he's gearing up for 2061 yeah alright All right. So, on to the Nets so the Nets the Nets are quietly jamming along with Trayvon Jameson um, you know it's a youth movement I don't think there's any question about that they traded Velvach and uh, you know people were underwhelmed by uh, the you know what they ultimately got and it sounds like maybe they had some better offers along the way they add Cam Thomas who probably isn't a long-term piece there but when you look at this team with Thomas with Buchert um, Jameson and they have they have some nice young bigs too in Winters and Cintron I think that 
they have quite a bit of talent where if some of these guys pop, I think they're probably still three years away, um, but it's shaping up nicely. Yeah. Um, looking back, imagine if he ended up with the guy that the Bulls got with Ivan Rush instead of Thomas. Not that Thomas is bad, but yeah. just Rush is better. Um, but, like, Thomas is a nice point guard. He's got that guy Horsley who, like, is a secondary passer, can come off the bench and play. He drafted Peel this year. is not bad if you look at him. Yeah. He can score a little bit from the wing, can defend a little, like, act adequately. But, like, you're right. The, the main piece is Jamison. It, can he become the star you need? Thomas isn't a, a, a piece, but, like, uh, a long-term asset, right? Obviously, he's expiring, but, like... You're talking about Cam Thomas, right? Yeah, Cameron Thomas, sorry. But we so we know that teams are gonna come halfway through the year and start all right, well, I need a scorer. Like he's a guy that like I could see the Hornets going after. Oh, I can tell you that when I had Cam Thomas, the second I traded him, I started just losing a ton of games. And that wasn't helping the whole Goulet and Omer, you know, tanking <laughs> accusation, but when you have a, a guy like that, he's an explosive scorer. I definitely thought about trying to trade for him. He does make a lot of money, but if you can fit that under your cap, he's a nice, sneaky addition. I agree with you. Yeah, and, like, let's not act like he doesn't have his pick plus the Hawks pick. And, like, if we're projecting the Hawks, is like, at best, they're a five seed, right? So, right. Like, I mean, that pick is somewhere, I would guess, 19 or below. Like, and let's keep in mind, he he had a ton of picks, but he actually made the playoffs last year as the eighth seed. So he, but I, I don't know how high the guy who, I think it was Omer, I don't know how high Omer jumped, but, you know, they could have potentially added even another lot of piece there. Yeah, Omar jumped to three. Yeah, so there you go. Right. So um, we'll see where he's at. He doesn't have a ton of moves to make outside of Cam Tom. Um, which I think that teams will come calling midway through the season. Like I could see the 76ers trying to figure out a way to get him and like, kind of like take the Congo points. But like, I don't even know what that deal would look like. We didn't even mention Justin Mason. These guys are just loaded with random pieces. And that he was like the number four pick in that loaded draft a couple of years ago. Mason's great. Three point shooter defends, defends really well for 21. Plus, already has some steals. I think you want him to be a better, um, not even better, but like just shoot. Like, I wish he shot more because he's pretty efficient. Yeah, he likes to shoot the threes. And, you know, you'd hope that on the flip side of that, you want Jameson to sort of get a little bit more selective with his shooting. So he's going to need these guys to pop in the right places for them to take the next step right exactly okay yeah so kind of a waiting game there uh we'll see how that goes on next time we do one of these things and along the same lines we talked about Velvach and the three-word game for the jazz our next team is dak into contention so the jazz were arguably trying to contend for a while but weren't i mean they won the recent title but i think in the last couple of years he was saying he wasn't really loving his team, and now he has a team that he really likes. Uh, they swapped Thomas for Velvax. Let me know what you think about this new team. Obviously, the, the, there's some free agency signings to talk about as well. 
Yeah, well, Kostinics seem to be like a hot button topic for. So when we go on these like long stretches of like nothing going on in chats and like no games being played to actually discuss, we get into like weird conversations. We had a dis- conversation about how good fucking the guy Rashad Walker was last year. And I think he was like a DNP for the Bucks all fucking season. So like we talked about, like I got why he, we talked about him. Like it was nice that he was in the, the, you know, UFA and the bubbles got him and blah, blah. And he's nothing. Like we spend time on this. Like Kostinex might, it will actually get minutes for them. But like if he comes off the bench, he's really good. Like I just don't think he's a starter. And I think that that's where like he kind of reminds me of Falsy. Like Falsy never really defended, like, like to an elite level. Falsy never really had steals. He was a secondary passer with a lot of volume. And every time I would start him, like, he would take shots away from Julianus. And then I, I got Jericho, and he took shots in. I said, you know what? Screw this. I said, it worked with Satan when I moved, when I had Satan on the bench. I said, I'm just going to do that with uh, Falsy, and it works. So, like, if he runs out, like, a Heredia, Moskowitz, insert small, uh, Winters, Hernandez and Valvax, like that's a fun lineup with Kostinex off the bench. Yeah, and you know we're, uh, when when you do the over unders, I'm sure you'll look at the depth charts because we're keeping things pretty efficient tonight. We're not really analyzing his depth chart; it's probably already posted or it might be. But I agree with you. Like I think that RWE is an extremely calculated GM, shall I say? Like I think he's one of the guys who goes by the numbers and does, as we've seen, a deep dive of things like statistics and might even get into some analytics in that sense. And I just wonder with his calculations, is he proje- – I mean, it's, it's not a huge risk. He's not paying uh, Ruben a ton of money. But I just wonder, is he projecting based on the ratings a little bit? Because just from what we've seen in the five seasons that this guy has gone to play, although sometimes it hasn't been um, really a lot of minutes. You know, he's only had two seasons where he's played over 30 minutes. I just don't know if what he – seems to be able to do on paper translates to the court. Yeah. And I mean, that's the question. And like B- BJ was defending him, but he really, he doesn't shoot well. Like even the one se- the two seasons, he, he got a lot of run. He shot okay from three and one. and was just atrocious. Like he's ne- a negative player, even though he averages 20.5 points, at least in my mind. Like if he puts up that 20, 55, Stat line he did with the Nuggets, I would take that. Like, if he can do that, if he can shoot 43% and shoot 35% from three off the bench and probably not score 20 points a game if he's coming off the bench, but if he can have that level of efficiency, I would probably take that based on what he's shown in the other seasons. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, I I just can't get behind him as a player. I mean, you put him off the bench and I like him more, like, then – then I don't look at the efficiency as much. I just look at the points that you're adding, which is like probably a bad way of doing it. You know what I'll say though? I will say this. I think that given the fact that we've talked about how good the two top teams in the Maynard are, if the jazz are looking at this, like I really like this team and I'm again, you to use this analogy too many times on this pod, but if they're buying a lottery ticket and saying that, you know what, if I can fix this guy, then this elevates us, then fine. You know what? And you already know that 
there's at least one other GM in the Hawks who is interested in this guy. So I don't, maybe you won't have trouble moving him if it, if it uh, crashes and burns. So I think they're just, they'll try it. If it works, it'll be a huge hit. I don't think it sets them back too, too far if it doesn't work. Yeah, that's fair. 100% yeah. fair. Um, and we'll move on. I'll, I'll say to, to say it at the end, I'm not 100% sure that Daklin is going to be life-changing over Thomas. That's just that's just me. Yeah, he might not be, but he might be a better, like a harder person to match up with in the playoffs. And that yeah. might be, you know, so like you might not feel this until the, the playoffs, just how much more competitive they are. Yeah, I think this is definitely more of a team that's looking to match up in the playoffs. I don't think they'll be dominant in the regular season, but they'll be they'll be good for sure. I'll say one thing. They don't rebound well at all. They have Hernandez and they have Moskowitz and, like, no one else really. Yeah. But Harris isn't yeah. going to get minutes for them, right? So, like, they don't really have anybody that rebounds. So that'll be interesting to see their totals in, like, a night-to-night basis. Was it you who said you don't really look at rebounding? So I don't look at rebounding per, when I'm evaluating a player per se. Because when I'm when I'm building a team, I need to make sure I have rebounding. But like, yeah. unless it's the last guy I'm adding to like my title run, I likely already have all my rebounding in place. So I won't care what that player's rebounding skill set is per se. It's like a guy like Glazer. To me, he gets such a bump on everyone's like list because he rebounds really well, but he doesn't do much else. Like he's a good defender, but sometimes I just I think that the the rebounding, regardless if it's like the out of position rebounding that people like, sometimes I do think he gets overblown in the fact that like you overvalue that player for that reason. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. I, I think that as we've kind of touched on the in the past, whether it be with rookie grades or when you're evaluating a guy who does things that that position typically doesn't give you, I think that definitely that becomes viewed as a niche player and, and so a guy like blazer or whatnot but you know on the flip side if you're building a team and you don't have that skill then you'd really love to have a guy like that like if i'm the jazz and blazer was theoretically available you know it would be more useful to me than maybe it would be for the average team right and i think that's where but like i guess when i when i say i don't look at rebounding in the same way i don't look at turnovers like if i'm building a team and i know that every one of my guys turns it over that's not going to work like i'm not an idiot but, like, sometimes we evaluate players and we're like, well, his turnover is so high. And, like, if you actually go through the game, there's some point guards that have, like, a 34 TO rating that never turn the ball over regardless. And they still have four or five assists. Like, mm. there's been multiple guys like that throughout throughout the not, – not often, but there's guys, right? And so, like, in a vacuum, if I'm comparing player A to player B, I'm taking out usually – the, like, I need to know what they score, what they defend, what their steals and blocks are. That's pretty much it. Because all the other stuff is, as much as it makes that player nice, like, I don't need that affecting me. Like, I'm going to, if I need to add a shooting guard, great. If he's, if he's Ricky Blazer, I'm never adding him because I need a specific shooting guard that I look for. Like, I have it in my mind. It works really well. And if you look through every one of my teams, I've had something like that. You either yeah. need to be the best defender at that position. I had that with Emil Elliott. He was like a 8-9-8-9 with like 80 steal and 30 block and a ridiculous rebounder. And he played shooting guard for me. Four positions. 
or I need a Julianis or Chester Cool type. And I know that. So, like, I'm never going to play Blazer at shooting guard, even though his rebounding is incredible there. So, like, I think a lot of team building is about how what you're going to do with it. And, like, for me, I don't need to look at rebounding or team build. So, like, sometimes, like, it probably is a disadvantage for me, and sometimes it's an advantage because, like, I see – I don't see the flaw of the turnover of the rebounding. So, But I feel you on that because I think that when we all have things we naturally gravitate towards in players, um, you know, I certainly have ratings that I look at more than others. And then, for example, when I was first starting out in the league, I noticed that I was just completely neglecting FTA, which – and I just noticed that it was naturally – you know, coming about where I, I would just happen to have enough of it, but I never really went after a guy because he had a crazy high FDA. I do value it more now, but there's just always those ratings where, again, when we talk about, even though we've been through so many seasons, in the grand scheme of things, it's always still a small sample size because, you know, you've had three builds that have been successful. So it's still like a small sample size. And in your experience, it's always just worked out. Like you've always gotten the rebounding without prioritizing it. So you're going to keep doing that because it's uh, it's continued to work. If you ever got to the point where you built a title team and you're like, wait, I don't have enough rebounding, then you would probably adjust and go after a guy like Blazer, whereas you've never felt the need to, to do that to this point. Right. I've never felt the need. And then like, it's just a different, I get what's the word? It, it, there's different ways to build. And, like, yeah. for me saying, like, I don't necessarily value Blazer because, like, his rebounding, I can find other places. So, what else does he bring to the table? And you could say that about a lot of different things, but it is what it is. Everyone's different. It's just, it's hard sometimes. We get into these, like, arguments, and, like, I think that we're arguing the wrong stuff half the time. Like, I'm not, I'm never arguing that Blazer's awful. I'm arguing yeah. that he's overrated. Like he's not a yeah. We're, player. we're harping on on Blazer a lot, and again, BJ is going to give us shit for that. But I think that just an example, right? Like guys who do things out of position. Like for example, if you, some people would say, and I think a lot of people do feel this way, a guy like Giaza that I had, who was like a great passing big. A lot of people didn't value him because their thing was like, well, I don't need a passing big. I'll just get my passing from point guard the way I've always gotten it. And so right. some people won't value those guys as more. They'd be like, I don't need my big to pass and run my offense. Right. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Why don't we move on? Who's, who we got next? Uh, we have the Thunder. All right. So the question for the Thunder is, are they drunk off Beardorf? Um, the Thunder has been going on for a little bit with this sort of treadmill. You know, he'll be the first one to tell you. I think he kind of discussed it yesterday. He thinks that based on the way they're going, they're probably a guaranteed second round out. And the question is like, do they really have a path to the top? Or is Goulet going to hop off the treadmill and bottom out? I don't think so because he's got a fun team. I think he's probably going to ride this out. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think he has any reason to to fall off. I mean, I, I think it'd be a tall task for him to even try to crack the top three. Like, it'd be hard for me to think he ever makes a conference final because I don't think he's ever going through – not a conference final, a final, because I don't think he's ever going through both two of the Heat, the Kings, and the Knicks. So, like, he's capped, but he's having fun. He has, like, a weird team. The problem is he's in a – like, a little bit more if they just had, like, 
I, I don't even know what it is. Like the Ochoa signing was fine, but like they need even more volume from a guy like so you know where more like if he could play Jackson Billings a little bit more. Like I like him offensively. Like defensively he leaves no defensive playmaking and he's he gets killed from the outside. Yeah, you know, it's uh I I don't really have anything to add to what you're saying. I think that's exactly the situation is they have fun pieces. You you wonder you you I find myself looking at this roster and just being like you know, what if I could have just a little bit more of that? Or what if I could have a little bit more of this? But I just don't know moves that are going to get them there, if that makes sense. Um, I think they're super fun. I think that it's obviously like the Beardorf stuff I find super um, exciting. Like I love following it. Like just the crazy stat lines that these guys put up. Um, is it, you know, conducive to winning titles? Probably not. But, I mean, Kool-Aid knows that. So I don't think that's surprising. Right. I don't think there's much to say. And like, as much as like it sucks because he'll probably listen. I mean, they are, they are a genuine high end treadmill team. Realistically, they have no, they have no ceiling really, or they have a ceiling, but their like floor is super high. And I you know, I'll agree, I agree with what some people were saying in the, in the chat. You could look at it in the sense of, well, I, actually, I don't agree. That's why I'm bringing it up. You know, they were saying that 25, 26 teams or whatever, they, 20 teams are, are treadmilling. I don't really – when I say treadmilling, I don't mean that you don't have a chance to win a title this season. When I say treadmilling, it's that I have a trouble – I have trouble seeing the path of you getting there. It's kind of along the lines of what you were saying yesterday. It's that when you go into a season, you either feel like you have a chance to win a title or you feel like you ha- are – getting closer to getting into that mix. And for the Thunder, I feel like they've reached their peak or maybe can go a little bit higher. So that's why I use the word treadmilling. Not as a bad thing, but just as a, I don't see the path to the top. Yeah, well, and that's I, – I agree. Sometimes people use treadmilling as like a second-round exit. Well, second-round exit for a team like the Nets this year is an improvement and a step towards the right direction. A second-round exit for the Thunder is their ceiling. So second-round exits mean different stuff. Like, I'm sorry, a second-round exit for the Hawks, who have the MVP, is a hell of a lot different than the second-round exit for, um, who's even like the not even the Bucks, but like the Hornets. Right. Exactly. You're you're just heading in. It's the it's the predicting of where they're going to go in the future. What trade chips do they have? All that stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the next one. We've got two more. We'll hammer these out. The Suns, I think this is going to be a pretty quick one. You know, three-word game, still caged in. They're sort of on hold. They traded Miner. Um, I was surprised no one went to grab Miner earlier, but I guess that, you know, they were uh, kind of the, the GM situation was in flux. Uh, they admitted that they probably missed or reached, not missed, but reached on the Chong pick. I do like Harbor a lot. I would have taken him higher than where he ended up going. And uh, they're kind of on hold, though, until Cage calls it quits. They're just going to keep extending this guy. And, you know, meanwhile, the youth will continue to grow. Yeah. I, I mean, there's not really much to say about them, is there? I mean, they're anywhere from like a six to a 10 seat, depending on what other teams are doing. Yeah. 
There's no movement forward, really. They keep drafting guys. I actually don't hate Chong. I think he's, like, an interesting prospect. Oh, I don't either. I think that, that draft was just so loaded, though, that maybe he went a bit higher than he should have. Yeah, but, again, and I've said this, and he doesn't bring the defensive playmaking, so, like, Omar's not going to like him, and I don't love him. But, like, how often do you get a guy four positions that can defend like that? It's a good you point. Know, like, he's, a, he's a decent guy to have in the playoffs to, like, throw out a scorer like maybe not as a starter but like as a secondary guy again for how good the back like mellow sharpie went five picks later so clearly it's going to look at like a bad pick like i think that's all in a vacuum like i still think chong has real like ups upside to like what he can bring to a team like i said i love i love harbor i think harbor's a guy who can be a really good Really, really solid big. At having those defensive one to nines at twenty is awesome. Yep. And that's about. We'll see how long Cage holds on, man. I, I keep wondering. Also, they keep signing Cage these one year deals, or like two year deals, whatever it is. I wonder if I, I mean, why wouldn't you just sign the guy to if you if you're absolutely dead set on keeping him? Why wouldn't you just sign him? We've seen players under contract retire. I think at one point, I think it would be hilarious if Cage walks. Well, I, I think the reason is because I think you can keep getting them cheaper. Like, as they get older, I think they take cheaper contracts. Playing with fire, though, man, if it's, if, if, it's, uh, if it's that much of a priority. We'll see. I think it'll be funny if he – I would love to see him just give a middle finger to the organization and just go somewhere else for one season. Right. All right, let's do our, uh, let's do our last one. We got the Kings, and this is one of those ones you've got to read. But, you know, obviously they have Martin Gelman. Um, and the question is, are the Kings starting to gel, man? And the, the thing is, are the Kings going to be able to mix it, up, mix it up with the Knicks? The talent is undeniable. He adds Wheeler, who I, I love Wheeler. I mean, I'm biased. I drafted him. He was on my team. Um, but maybe Mike thinks that Wheeler isn't the ideal fit for his team. Um, how do you think the Knicks go about this season with Jasper coming back, joining the rest of the guys? The Kings. What did I say? The Knicks. Oh, sorry. The Kings. Um, you know, I, I talked to Mike. And with fantasy football, we talk almost every day now. Um, we're in a lot of, like, leagues and contests together. We're actually in a betting contest, which is kind of cool. You have to bet um, $1,000 a week, like fake money. But yeah. whoever has in the most – you can bet it any way you want. You can bet – it's all NFL and you can bet like any way you want. Right. So like if you want to bet 50 on every over and 50 on the games, you can do that. Or you can bet all on one game, but whoever's the most profit at the end of the year wins this pool. So me and him talk a lot about that. Cause there is strategy and it depends on like when you bet it. Like if you like an over and you think it's going to go up, you bet it early in the week. Right. So there's all these things that we're always talking about. So me and him have talked about this. And the thing I keep saying, like, he keeps saying, I keep saying, like, I'm reiterating for him. Like, I don't think he hates Wheeler. I think he wants a different skill set for that player. And that makes sense based on if you look on what they have around He has, I mean, Gelman is pretty similar to Wheeler, no? I mean, he already has points from Jasper and Waters and Washington adds points and New Jacks adds points. Like, I don't think he needs the scoring. I think he, he thinks that he's going to really miss the steals out of backup. And whether that's true or not, I, 
I couldn't tell you because I do think Wheeler brings like a, a completely different skill set. Like, I think that this team at, at points is going to go on stretches where they score one third. Are you there? Sorry, you cut off there. Oh, I got a phone call, but I I exit out. All right. Um, we'll wrap this one up. I think that they can go on stretches where they average like one thirty for like multiple games. Yeah, it's actually scary when you say that. You look at um, Gelman compared to Wheeler, and they're strikingly similar other than Wheeler shooting a bit more from three and, you know, Gelman being a bit better on offense. Um, so I, I can see why he thinks that, you know, he wants to add a different skill set. I, I really, I, I kind of gathered what he was saying. I think that he presented it in a way in the chat that was confusing when he said he doesn't like Wheeler. Um, I think everyone knows what he means now that, Obviously, he recognizes the the value of the piece that he has, and he's not going to dump him. Um, but that's probably his best chip to take this team to an even higher level and try to compete with the Knicks. Because if we're be- taking a sober look at it, I was talking to Mike, and you know, even when Waters came back, they were losing to the Knicks pretty badly. So I think he I think he does recognize that he he wants to shake things up a little bit to try and compete with them. Yeah, I, it's funny because. I don't really know if this is the year, but, like, he has everybody signed now, right? He's over the hard cap, but, like, outside of new, his other four guys are signed, plus Wheeler signed for next year. So, like, I think he's going into this season, and, like, I think he's going to just – if he if the right trade comes up for a guy, I think he makes it. But, like, I think he just stays put and waits for the Knicks to get a year older next year. Yeah, I think that when you look at his roster compared to the Knicks roster, you definitely see the – Kings probably having more staying power. They're they're going to be relevant longer than the Knicks are. Um, I well, don't think that's a bold. I don't I don't think that's a bold statement, really. It's. I mean, I don't think so either. Waters and Washington aren't even in their second contract yet. Yeah. I, I mean, and imagine if Waters ever progressed. That's the thing, man. The the guy has the base. I think when he got drafted, we were all just like, "Holy shit!" Like this guy is unbelievable and he still is but harping back to Lou harping back to Tig there's a next level that some guys reach and some guys don't and um, he's still 22 he still has plenty of time but he's great right now he could be insane if he can just get a few progressions and that would just vault them into back into that high 60 70 win type of thing that they were in before I mean, they won 66 last year. Yeah. And, that, and they started out – they lost seven games in the first two Sims. So, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, Andre can can worry all he wants. And, you know, they went one in four in the regular season, whatever the fuck the record was. But like, when push comes to shove, they're just a really bad matchup when you can actually, like, sit down and DC for them. Who's that? The, the Kings or the Knicks? The I think that the Kings are a bad matchup for everyone in the league except the Knicks. Yeah, I, think the I agree. Knicks with that. Have have their number. Like I, and I'm not even just saying this. Like I think that against the Lions and the Raptors, I think that they're a substantial favorite. The more you look at how deep this defense goes, like the fact that they could score 130, and this is what their starting one through nines are: seven, eight, five, nine, seven, seven, nine, eight, eight, five, eight, five. Seven seven nine four seven seven nine seven, and then Wheeler off the bench at seven seven nine seven. 
Like, we're talking about a team that we said might average, like, 120. And we're talking about their defensive one through nines are probably, if you were to add up the five starting defensive one through nines, like all of them, I would bet that they're top three. Like, that's scary. And you look at the ages and it's even scarier, right? Yeah. I mean, outside of new, right? He's 35. Waters is 22. Wheeler and Gelman are 25, 26. Washington's 25. It's like, it's wild. Yeah. And it worked out perfectly with Washington because you drafted a guy who, although he was 22 when he came in the league, you drafted him with Waters. So by the time Washington hit his prime, just a couple of years later, which he may not even have hit yet, he can still get better, but you're already relevant. So you you didn't, whereas some teams might be hesitant to draft a guy who was 22, when you're in a position to compete with that right away, it's so, so, like, it's perfect because the guy comes in as a finished product. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know if the trade happened on draft day where he got Washington or if it happened the day before, but, like, I think there were four guys that he was like, you know what, I – I like that the, my timeline better than with Antresto and the Clippers pick. The Clippers pick ended up being one, which could have been Hamilton or the guy that um, he ended up taking a Dickerev. Yeah. Like, but either one, like I, I get it's like so weird because like you're not guaranteeing it comes one if the Kings win less games and you know it screws up the lotto odds and whatever the fuck it is. But like I, I don't think you can be mad even though the pick landed one. You could have had Hamilton. Like, Washington is really good. Like, I, I think if you're looking at top three point guards, Miguel and uh, Andre do this. We, we have, like, a group chat, and we're always throwing out weird shit. And I think that there's a clear top three point guards in the league. I think it's Kemp, Diamond, and Washington. And I think that before this season, Washington was, like, clearly third. But he had those massive jumps. Like, he has 83 assists and 89 steals go with really good one through nines and he actually scores somewhat efficiently for a point guard now i don't know if that's the team or that's him but like he shot 37 percent from three last year on four a game yeah i'm just looking up the other guys let's see diamond um his assist is lower 57 steals at 92 he shot 48 percent on 41 percent from three let's see camp what camp shoot last year Oh, Diamond does have some volume from three, huh? Yeah, Camp was pretty efficient from three, too. He's shooting 36%, 41 from the field. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I don't think it's particularly close. I think those are the top three. I, I know that we're wrapping up here, but maybe we can just talk about this one thing quick. Um, I was talking to Wayne about TIG, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this because he kind of was telling me what you were thinking. He was telling me... Oh, maybe I'll just throw it to you without leading you. How do you think that those top three point guards compare to a guy like Tig? Because I think you were you and Wayne were chatting about that a bit. So I go back and forth on this. Um, I do think that as much as you want to like say that Tig is more valuable, I I think I take the point guards. And my argument is I probably don't take Washington because I don't love shooting point guards. And 56 to GA is just a little too much for me. Um, with that said, like, I think that Kemp and Diamond are probably more valuable for me than Tig. And my argument is, like, we can find 25-point scorers, right? Like, mm-hmm. we can't find point guards that steal, assist, get boards, are efficient enough, 
and have the one through nine to really make it worthwhile. Also, looking, I would take Kemp over any of them. I to- I haven't looked at the point guards close enough to make that call, but um, I definitely agree with you. Like, I think based on my combo with Wayne, and you said you were flip-flopping, so it makes sense. I think at the time that I talked to Wayne, you were leaning towards taking Tig over the point guards, and I was – I lean the way that you, you're leaning right now, which is – I think those – three point guards are just too valuable. I would take them over Tig, even though he's on my team. So hopefully he doesn't hear me say that, but I just value the point guard position a lot. And I think those three are just in such a special tier that you would have to go for that. Yeah. So like sometimes I, I talk to him and like maybe, but I, I was talking about his particular team at one point. Oh, I got you. And like, I think if you took the scoring off his team, he was in trouble. So like say he were to flip, for diamond one for one if you would do that i'm not saying you would but like mm-hmm. i i don't think that makes him better even though i think that diamond is a better asset so got like, it so more, more talking about trades rather than player value in a vacuum right because i do think that like what you have around them matters and like what they do like if you take take off the rockets we're gonna see it but like if you add diamond i don't think it like makes them that like substantially better now like if you were to do a one for one trade for them, right? I don't. I think he loses ten wins, even though I think Diamond is better. Because and this goes back to what I was saying with the. I, I hopefully this segment didn't get cut off, or this won't make sense. But I was talking about when you're trying not to win games. You know, it's a lot easier when you don't have guys who score. Um, a guy like Diamond, you put him and surround him with crap. He's not going to necessarily carry you to as many wins as a, as a, any high volume efficient scorer would regardless of the other ratings. Like, just a low-volume guy just doesn't seem to... You'll lose to a lot of teams you shouldn't lose to, even though he might be all-around talented and steal the ball and do everything else. No, you're 100% right. And it's also why I don't dabble when I'm rebuilding in, like, the bottom tier of UFA. Like, I don't want to put a guy on my roster accidentally that I can't trade till Sim 5 that's going to get me wins. And sometimes, like, you look at some of these signings, like, even what Allroom did, like, not that they're all good, but like if he just doesn't sign anybody, he can sign any minimums and he is easily the worst team in the league. But instead he puts guys on that like have some sort of skill set. So I should have a worse record this year. Like I'm playing a way worse rotation than he is because he signed all these guys to this contract. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything to add. I think that's hundred percent accurate. Um, you know, I think you and I view it similarly in this regard. I think that, with the especially with the dabbling in the UFA, that part I really relate to, and I do think that there are some people who are really good at it and are able to balance that um, thing of identifying guys who are like really useful trade chips. I just don't go after them because I always seem to screw it up. I'm like you; I either max them or I or I sign mins. And this year's kind of an exception where I got Leopold Diggs, and you know, but right now I'm competing, so I'm looking for guys like that. But I just don't tend to dabble in the, in the low-tier UFA guys for the same reason. Yeah, and I mean, Diggs is a – I had him, right? He was on my title team. A really weird player. I mean, he does nothing passing steals or blocks. But he has like a decent one through nine defensively. And he has that nine drive offense, which makes him just uber efficient. Pretty high FTA and he rebounds offensively. So he's like a really weird player. And like – I never thought he could be a starter on like a title team, but I always thought like you could play him off the bench, like 
15, 20 minutes a game, and like he does enough stuff to make you good. Yeah, I mean, for us, he's going to be. I wish I had more minutes to play him. I love the FTA. Um, I'm not. We're not a team that gets to the line a ton. Like he's actually the guy who gets to the line the most on my team. Um, but you know, who knows? Who knows if he'll he'll stick around or we have to see how how willing he is to to play those like five minutes a game for us. Maybe he demands a trade. We'll see. <laughs> right. All right, man. I'm gonna let you finish this off with a uh, message to the Pacers GM, like you'd like to do. But uh, before that, I just want to say thanks for having me on. Good stuff. Hopefully, uh, the league enjoys all the content we're putting out. And without further ado, I'll let you uh, address the Pacers GM, and we'll sign off. Thanks uh, to everyone for listening, and fuck you, Crash. <laughs>